DJ Pierogi Pete, and you are listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday. This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, October 1st, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I'll be updating you on campus and local news, and then we'll be hearing from our sports director, Dixon Lawson. Up next is an interview I did with Matthew Zidbeck, a student advisor for the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism, and then I'll give some of the national news highlights. To conclude the show, Coda will be giving some updates on COVID-19. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hi, y'all. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and this is your campus and local news on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. To start with the campus news, according to Serena Bettis at the Collegian, six students in Braden Hall and three students in Summit Hall tested positive for COVID-19 after CSU put them under mandatory quarantine September 24th. In an email sent to residents of Braden and Summit September 29th, the pandemic preparedness team said all students who tested positive were moved into isolation and levels of COVID-19 in the wastewater have dropped, and that the quarantine for the entirety of Braden and Summit halls has dropped. For residents who left their hall during the mandatory quarantine, the university is requiring follow-up tests within 24 hours of a resident's turn, return to campus. Students who have been in close contact with someone who tested positive or who tested positive themselves, must remain in isolation or quarantine, the email said. These students were contacted by public health officials at CSU. As of September 23rd, CSU has conducted over 15,000 COVID-19 tests, according to the COVID-19 recovery website testing summary, and has had 343 cumulative COVID-19 cases since June, updated as of September 28th on the COVID-19 recovery dashboard. This creates a percentage rate of positive COVID-19 tests of 2.18%. According to Public Safety and Risk Communications Manager Delray Sierravola, 164 of the positive COVID-19 cases at the university have come from university testing, which, as of September 30th, has totaled 18,700 conducted tests. This puts the percentage rate of positive COVID-19 tests completed by the university at 0.88%. According to James DeLoss at CSU Source, CSU is partnering with the National Center for Atmospheric Research, also known as NCAR, to lead a project to create high-resolution version of an Earth system model used by scientists around the world. The National Science Foundation will fund the nearly $5 million five-year-long Earthworks project, which will extensively modify a recent version of the Community Earth System Model, also known as CESM, which is an open-source model used by many researchers to improve our understanding of the complex interplay of atmospheric, oceanic, land surface, and sea ice processes that comprise the Earth system. Though extremely useful and powerful for many science applications, such as investigating the impacts of a changing climate, the current model has limitations, including an inability to explicitly simulate thunderstorms and other relatively small-scale phenomena at its current low spatial resolution. Instead, storms, cloud formation, and other similar processes are parameterized or represented statistically. 
While some Earth system models have sufficient resolution to simulate thunderstorms, called global storm resolving models, none of them are freely available to the research community. Earthworks aims to bring this global storm resolving capability to their version of the community model, so all researchers can utilize it. For more info, you can visit ucar.edu. According to Kelly Lyell at the Coloradoan, three CSU fraternities have had outbreaks of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. New outbreaks were reported this week at Phi Kappa Phi Fraternity, uh, I'm sorry, Pi Kappa Phi Fraternity with four cases, and Phi Delta Theta and Sigma Pi with, with two cases each. There were no new cases associated this week to previously reported outbreaks at Gamma Phi Beta Sorority, which had five cases, and Chi Omega Sorority, which had three cases. These cases bring the number of CSU fraternity and sorority-linked COVID-19 cases since the beginning of the fall semester to 33. CSU's fraternity and sorority houses are all located off-campus, and those with active outbreaks have been quarantined, a CSU spokeswoman said last week. Moving on to local news... According to an update video released by the Cameron Peak Fire Managers, the Cameron Peak Fire has grown to over 125,000 acres and is currently at 22% containment. The fire team spent Wednesday using heavy equipment to construct fire lines along the northernmost area of the fire. The fire has now destroyed 95 structures over the course of its burning, including 33 homes, with 39 new structures being identified as being destroyed over the weekend. According to Kevin Duggan at the Coloradoan, in an attempt to prevent water supply shortage, Fort Collins is putting mandatory restrictions on outdoor water use. The restrictions, which go into effect today, ban watering lawns and washing residential cars outdoors. Uh, Officials are concerned about potential impacts to the city's water supply from ongoing drought conditions, the Cameron Peak Fire, and a maintenance project at Horsetooth Reservoir. During the restrictions, residents may water trees in food-producing gardens by hand or with drip systems. Blowouts of lawn irrigation systems are allowed. Exceptions to the lawn watering restrictions may be made for new lawns and athletic fields for health and safety reasons. The restrictions do not apply for the use of untreated or raw water. Many parks and athletic fields are watered with untreated water. There are no restrictions on residential or commercial indoor water use, including commercial car washes. The Fort Collins Loveland in East Larimer County water districts, which serve parts of Fort Collins, are also asking customers to stop outdoor water use as of October 1st. For more information on water restrictions or to apply for an exception permit, you can visit fcgov.com utilities water restrictions. And that's all for the campus and local news. Um, Thank you very much. There's nothing to listen to. Hold up. What time is it? It's almost 5. Quick. Put it on 90.5. It's almost time for the 3.0 radio show. What's that? It's this crazy, fact-filled, genre-bending two hours of radio madness. Hey, everyone. If you like incredible music from every genre and learning interesting facts, join me, Carter Minner, next on the 3.0 Radio Show, where we have nothing but fine melodies and fascinating facts.
And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. We're about to hear from our sports director, Dixon Lawson, about some new updates in the world of sports. But we also want to hear from you. Um, what is your favorite thing about about listening to KCSU? You can text in at 970-491-5278. And again, that number is 970-491-5278. Now for Dixon Lawson. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dixon Lawson, and welcome once again to the RMR Sports Report. Starting off this week, we're going to jump into volleyball that is back underway. They had an inner squad contest. Last night, green versus gold. There wasn't any uh, stats on winners or losses for that. Um, but really, really exciting to see volleyball back in Moby Arena. We are one step closer to getting volleyball and football and all the sports back here at CSU. Uh, the Mountain West has announced that CSU football will be coming back October 24th. Um, so we don't have too many more weekends without college football. Uh, and soon enough, the Rams will be taking the field once again. Moving from that to national news, uh, we'll start with the NHL. They just recently finished up their Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to beat the Dallas Stars in six games, uh, four to two, the last game being a shutout. Um, so the Tampa Bay Lightning are the Stanley Cup winners for this very, very wacky season. Looking over at the NBA, uh, the finals currently stand between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, game one has been played. That was a commanding victory for the Lakers, 116-98. to Game two will be coming up tomorrow at 7 p.m. Looking at the MLB, they are just getting their playoffs underway. They recently went to a expanded 16-team format for the playoffs uh, as they're just in round one. There isn't really too much to say on how that will affect the playoffs, uh, but at the end of the day, there are more teams competing for a World Series, and it will be definitely interesting to watch. All in all, that is going to do it for myself, Dixon Lawson, here on the RMR Sports Report. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday, 4 to 5, to catch the greatest show, Rocky Mountain Review. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. Thank you again to Dixon Lawson. We're going to go on a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to hear from Matthew Zidbeck from the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism. We'll be right back. Now we're going to be speaking with Matthew Zidbeck from the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism. He is also one of the leadership members of Chabad at CSU, also known as Jewish CSU. Can you tell me a little bit about what the Presidential Task Force on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism is and what your role is in it? I am a student advisor for the task force and I pretty much help 
give a student's perspective, a Jewish student's perspective on what anti-Semitism looks like at CSU. And I think it's super important to hear from students and to have a student on this task force because we're learning a lot of things about CSU and what they do for Jewish students. And it's, it's heartening and it's, it's bittersweet because it's nice to see that CSU cares about Jewish students, but it's also sad to see what they're doing right now. But I'm really happy that I'm on it. And uh, there's another student, Julia, she's a grad student. I'm really glad that we're on it to try and give a, a student's perspective. And what are you personally hoping will come from the task force? I hope that CSU will become a, a place that fosters Jewish culture, a place that allows for the learning about Jewish culture. Because I came, I, I came from a very reformed temple and, and at about 14, I stopped connecting with my Judaism. And when I came to CSU, I met the rabbi and was able to reconnect uh, Judaism and was able to kind of find my culture again and find out who I am, but definitely with some obstacles. And I want people to be able to find themselves and follow their family and follow the Jewish people around them, but without having obstacles around them, without being scared to say that they are Jewish. I mean, no one should be scared to say that they're Jewish, but with the current climate at CSU, there's definitely some people who feel like that. And that's, that's not the kind of school I, I want to be a part of. So that's why I'm here to change it. Around how many students do you think um, are represented in that, in that work? Is it just you and Julia or are there additional students? We've had people come in for the, so the way we were planning out is we have subgroups of topics and we have other students come in for a subgroup um, to, to kind of focus more on this, this topic to help us really hone in what we want done with this topic. And we're, we're gonna add a couple more students to subgroups coming up pretty soon. Um, are there any professors involved with it or is it mostly um, administration and students? There's a, actually, there's a couple professors. There's, I can't remember their names right now, but there's, I think, one retired professor and two current professors. And then we're actually thinking about adding some more and we're talking to them right now. But it's a, I'm really happy that we have actual faculty and staff because there's a lot of uh, institutional anti-Semitism between staff that we don't really, that as students, we don't really see. And I'm really happy we're addressing that too. All right, and then relating back to that, how do you think that faculty specifically can work on avoiding perpetuating anti-Semitism? You know, that's, that's a tough one. It's, it's really hard, especially if you're not educated. So I think the first part would be for staff to really try and understand a Jewish student's perspective, really educate themselves on what it means to be Jewish, what's the Jewish culture like, and how different a, one Jewish person could look from another Jewish person, not just look physically. Like, I mean, just you and me, we have very different beliefs, but we're both Jewish. Like, it, it's, it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what a Jewish student is. So I would just say from a professor's standpoint, understand the wide varieties of what a Jewish person really is and be accommodating to that. 
Definitely. Um, and then another comment on that. In your experience, do you feel like casual anti-Semitism or more blatant anti-Semitism is a bigger problem on our campus at the moment? I definitely think it's casual anti-Semitism. As a student, I have experienced countless, and hearing from other students, I, we've experienced lots of lots of casual anti-Semitism. And whether that be in the form of jokes or someone you know, at a party setting up a game in a swastika shape or casually drawing a swastika on something or saying hey your nose is pretty big you jewish like small comments like that like i i they're they're more hurtful than you think if any students jewish or non-jewish want to get involved with um helping jewish inclusion on campus working to prevent anti-semitism how can they get involved that would be awesome. Follow our Instagram, DM us, like let us know, and we'll I'll, we'll talk to some of the people who are in the head of the task force. Um, we'd love to we'd love to to have testimonies. We'd love help, but yeah, that that'd be awesome. And then what is that Instagram username? Uh, Jewish CSU. All right, and then do you have anything you want to add on before we go? Uh, I'm really I'm really proud to be on this task force. There's a lot of really really good people that are really passionate about it and um hopefully we'll see some more jewish inclusion at csu it's a it's a good first step all right thank you so much again that is matt zidbeck from the presidential task force on jewish inclusion and the prevention of anti-semitism thank you so much for your time yeah of course thank you the Fort Collins Rotaract Club is a Rotary-sponsored volunteer and service organization for young men and women ages 18 to 30 within Colorado State University and the Fort Collins community. Our club addresses the physical and social needs of the local community and promotes international understanding and peace through the framework of friendship and service. Rotaract's purpose is to provide the opportunity for Rotaractors to enhance the knowledge and skills that will assist them in personal development to address the physical and social needs of their communities and to promote better relations between all people worldwide. We thrive to abide by the Rotary's guiding principles of service, ethics, and goodwill. We meet every other Monday at 6 p.m. in the Lori Student Center, room 306. Contact FocoRotaract at gmail.com for more information. Join us here on 90.5 KCSU. Here on the back nine as Mr. Odom steps up to the tee box. Odom having just a phenomenal day out there. He is really making quick work of his opponents. He's going for the first spot as he drives this one off. It looks like it's sailing. And boy, oh boy, is it. Luckily, everyone here was tuned in to 90.5 KCSU-FM to hear all the action. KCSU always has and always will bring you sports. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. You just heard from Matthew Zidbeck from the Presidential Task Force um, on Jewish Inclusion and the Prevention of Anti-Semitism. Now we have national news. Again, I'm Coda Babcock, and this is your national news highlights for Thursday, October 1st, 2020. According to Sasha Pfeiffer at NPR, the trial of September 11th defendants, currently in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, has been further delayed until August of next year. A new judge overseeing the case, Colonel Stephen F. Keene, 
has postponed hearings until he is able to conduct necessary travel to familiarize himself with the case without COVID-19 restrictions. Many of the attorneys for Guantanamo prisoners have said that the new start date is still unrealistic due to the necessary preparations associated with these proceedings. According to Vanessa Romo at NPR, Claire Bronfman, the Seagram's liquor fortunaire, has been sentenced to nearly seven years in prison. Bronfman was a member of Nexium, a cult posing as a self-help group that is currently accused of holding women captive and forcing them to engage in intercourse with the leader of the organization. Bronfman is charged with fraud and forced labor after serving in the group's executive board. Bronfman began her sentence after being charged yesterday. Personnel change... Or, um, according to community... Camilo Montoya Galvez at CBS News, the Trump administration has reduced the cap on refugees allowed to resettle in the U.S. from 110,000 to just 15,000. The State Department said that the new limit for this year reflects concerns about COVID-19 and the immigration process. President Trump originally stopped all refugee admissions in March due to economic concerns related to the pandemic. That's all for national news highlights. I'm Coda Babcock, and we'll be right back here on the Rocky Mountain Review. And we are back again here on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 updates for Thursday, October 1st, 2020. Colorado State University has reported 378 cumulative cases as of yesterday of COVID-19. Braden and Summit Hall dorm residents were temporarily placed in quarantine until Tuesday and are now allowed out. Colorado State University reminds students that they must fill out a daily symptom checker before coming on campus. Larimer County's risk score has raised. While still in the medium risk category, our recent spikes have caused us to be very close to being considered a high risk region for coronavirus transmission. There have been 26 new positive cases in the past 24 hours, and only one day in the past two weeks has seen under 15 new cases. We currently have nine COVID-19 patients in the hospital, with our overall hospitalization usage at 65% and ICU utilization at 71%. There are over 2,600 cases in Larimer County, and 53 people with COVID-19 have died in our county. The state of Colorado has seen over 70,000 cases and over 2,000 deaths among those cases. The United States has more than 7.2 million cases of COVID-19, with deaths surpassing 206,000. Cases have seen an 11% spike in the past two weeks nationwide, but deaths have gone down by 16% in the same time period. Colorado has a lower overall number of, of cases compared to the other states, but new cases are going up. More than 88,000 cases are linked to universities in the United States. For more information on symptoms of COVID-19, protecting yourself, and for access to a self-checker, you can visit cdc.gov coronavirus. Information from today's segment was gathered from CSU's COVID recovery site, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the Centers for Disease Control, and the New York Times. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Hi, y'all. I'm Ivy. Uh, Sometimes we need to get a little bit of the weird. So here's some odd or humorous happenings from around the world in our weird news segment. According to Tim Healy at The Independent, the Irish Supreme Court ruled September 30th that Subway's sandwich bread cannot be legally considered bread. 
The court ruled that the sugar content contained in the bread used at Subway for their sandwiches is too high for it to meet the Irish government's legal definition of bread and is instead closer to other baked goods such as cakes and other confectionaries. The court ruled this way in a case in which a Subway franchise owner argued that the Subway sandwiches should not accumulate a value-added tax rate because all of its ingredients are considered staple foods. A value-added tax rate, also referred to as a goods and services tax, is a form of tax that increases as value is added to a product, effectively making higher taxes on goods that have a higher quality or luxury value. According to the Irish Value Added Tax Act of 1972, staple foods such as bread, water, and other basic needs foods have zero value-added taxes. However, that act has also defined bread as requiring less than 2% of its weight to be made up of things such as sugar, fat, and bread improver in order to be legally considered bread. Subway's bread has a sugar content of 10% of the weight of the dough. So the court said in its ruling that therefore the bread for Subway sandwiches could not be legally considered bread and is therefore subject to the value-added tax of about 9%. According to Greg Rim at KYUK, residents of Mertavik, Alaska, a township that is part of the village of Newtalk, Alaska, were not given ballots to vote in the Alaska primary elections because the state of Alaska did not know that people lived there. Additionally, only 17 residents of Newtalk were able to vote in the primary because it never received election supplies. The issue began when Newtalk's election, election officials quit their jobs late into the process. According to Alaska Division of Elections Director Gail Fumanai, they secured two officials to handle Newtalk's elections in June, both of which quit their jobs two weeks before the primary elections. Murdovic uh, is the location for a years-long project for which the entire village of Newtalk has been relocating to avoid conditions that will be caused by climate change, causing the current location to be unlivable. The relocation project has already been underway for the past few decades, and Murdovic has a population of over 130 people. Yet the citizens of Murdovic found out that the state of Alaska didn't know that people even lived in Murdovic until after the election, and thus the resources for the election were never provided. Fuminal stated that the division is making some changes and that for all future elections, more resources will be provided to Newtalk so that the residents of Murdovic can be given absentee ballots. According to Zara Wellen and Ashley Franklin at Manchester Evening News, a wildlife park has been forced to remove five newly adopted gray parrots from public display after they began swearing at customers. Officials at Lincolnshire Wildlife Park said they accepted the new flock of birds on August 15th and that the group of parrots taught each other to swear while they were in quarantine together. The park's chief executive officer, Steve Nichols, said that the vulgar antics made the staff laugh, which encouraged the parrots to swear even more. The park chief said that they learned to swear and laugh at each other swearing, leading to something akin to a, quote, old working men's club scenario. Officials said action had to be taken when the parrots began frequently shouting profanities at guests and then began laughing about it. The parrots will now be put into separate groups to discourage the behavior. Nichols said, quote, at least if they do swear, it is not as bad as three or four of them all blasting it out at once, end quote. And that's all for the weird news this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Rhett and Johnny from Tencent Redemption. And you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. And now for the weather. 
Today in Fort Collins, we're experiencing a high of 68 and a low of 43 with no chance of rain and around 7 mile per hour winds. Tomorrow will be heating up to 78 degrees for the high and 45 for the low, with about the same wind speed and still no chance of rain. On Saturday, it'll cool back down, but gain some humidity with a high of 68 and a low of 41. Same wind speed as the last two days, but humidity at 41%. On Sunday, the high will be 76 with a low of 47 and still no chance of of rain and just slightly higher wind speeds at 9 miles per hour. Monday, it'll heat up to 83 degrees for the high and 45 for the low with around 12 mile per hour wind speeds. Tuesday, you can expect a high of 78 and a low of 46 with wind speeds reducing back down to 7 miles per hour. Still no chance of rain. For Wednesday's weather, you'll just have to tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review on Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Asher Kaur and Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Dixon Lawson, Thomas Taylor, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.